and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Do you feel like you've not been able to make headway in achieving your goals? Or did you start the year pumped, ready to move forward on making things happen and simply lost your way? Things don't need to just get better. They actually can be better. In Design Your Dream Life, I'll show you a proven pathway to take you from where you are now to a life filled with joy, wholeness, success, and fulfillment. I'll give you the keys to not just developing a plan, but taking massive empowered action to make your dreams a reality. Turn roadblocks into stepping stones and leverage the power of gratitude and forgiveness. Let's face it, taking massive empowered Powered action and making your dreams a reality isn't always easy. So I'll be there with you every step of the way. Visit dreamlifetoolkit.com to purchase your copy of Design Your Dream Life, obtain resources, and join our free community. Again, that's dreamlifetoolkit.com. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. You guys, we are in for a treat today because our next guest. He is an identity shifter. (laughs) He has helped influence thousands of people, helping them to shift their identities and evolve their consciousness to create profound changes in all important areas of life. You guys, it's one thing to have a goal. It's another thing to want change. It's a completely other thing to make that conscious identity shift that creates long-lasting change because it truly impacts you at the deepest core. And so with our next guest, we're going to talk all about how to do that, how he has done that, and how he coaches and trains others to do that as well. His coaching programs take you through proven processes that get you past your biggest, deepest limiting beliefs those core limiting beliefs, right? So that we can live into the highest version of ourselves. The result of this is massive shifts and achieving levels of success once thought impossible to reach. I know he's going to share with us his story that really is an example of this massive transformation himself. And I'm excited to learn more about how we all can not just say we want change or say we want something different, but to really make lasting, profound change by getting to those deeper levels. So big Dreamcast welcome to Master Level Coach and the founder of Fundamental Shift LLC, Rob Scott. Hi, Denise. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. I'm really glad to be here too. And so for everybody who is listening, you guys, we're recording this just at the beginning of our quarantine life. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll be really transparent because I think that our conversation today is very relevant to what the masses and most of us are experiencing right now. Um, the world is pausing and we're mm. in a bit of uncertainty. And I think when that happens, we start to ask ourselves questions. And yeah. so before we jump into how we can all use this space to transform ourselves, I want to hear a bit more about you, Rob. So I, I know you went up the corporate ladder, you're a VP 
in technology, but you are also homeless. So put all of this into perspective for me. Yeah, thank you. It really started off, I was sadly, I was a child who went through a lot of abuse. I went through some very serious abuse at a really, really young age. And very, very early, I started to want to feel better. And so I, at like age seven, I was doing drugs and alcohol and things like that, which is kind of mind blowing as I had my first nephew was seven. And I looked at him and I remember going like, whoa, like that was really kind of crazy. But I ended up not healthily evolving emotionally and psychologically and all those things. I ended up just leaning on feeling better, self-medicating through escaping into drugs and alcohol and all that. Fast forward, I ended up, you know, dysfunctional and sort of a troublemaker all through school, that kind of stuff. And then I ended up homeless in my early 20s, you know, living on the streets. I was in and out of institutions and jails, and halfway houses and rehabs and all these different things. And somewhere along the way, uh, my company is called Fundamental Shift, as you mentioned. And I had this real fundamental shift where I started to see how my own stories that I was carrying were... I was kind of carrying my past into the future in a sense. I was just bringing these stories with me. You know, I'm a victim. Everything wrong happens to me. And I really realized nobody was punching me in the face anymore. And I was doing some of that creation myself. And so I shifted. I, I thought to myself, what would it be like if I really showed up with a completely different way of being? And I got a very entry-level job. I fought my way back from being homeless. And in just a handful of years, I became vice president of technology. I became very effective uh, sharing these ideas. And so I was able to lead other people really well. I was able to do all this stuff. And then in about 2005, I started a podcast because I really wanted to share these ideas. So I was way ahead. One of my biggest mistakes was stopping that podcast way back when. And uh, if I'd stuck with that, it might be a, a whole different scene now. But what was really interesting was I had listeners all over the world that were asking me for coaching. And so I stepped into coaching around 2006. And I left the corporate world to do this full time. And I've been really, really pleased to share what I know about personal transformation, what I know about getting people to change at the level of self-concept, right? So those real deep things of I'm not enough, you know, this isn't going to work for me, money's not for me, those kinds of ideas we can get those to shift really, really quickly for people. And it's profound change. They become literally different versions of themselves, which is why we call it identity shifting. Wow. Okay. Well, let's unpack a lot of this. Sure. You yeah. could have been one of my clients. Yeah. I, um, I had a lot of therapists along the way. I sure <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I graduated at 24 with my master's. And so they gave me all the kids, <laughs> mm. all the kids, all the teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> I used to make a lot of them cry though. So it was, a, <laughs> it, was a, it was pretty intense stuff. Yeah. It was. It well, was and one of the things we were taught was that when drugs and alcohol are introduced into somebody and you know mm. you start coping through that you don't learn other coping skills so Correct. usually yeah. the maturity level of somebody stops at the age they start using because what are you saying denise what are you what are you trying to say right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm you had a lot of growth to do <laughs> i had a lot of growth to do that's very yeah awkward. and yeah. so it's interesting because you you had that the, the coping skill you learned was was using and you used it sounds like you used consistently for all the, all the things. I used all, the, all things. the things. Yeah. Yeah. So then you hit your own rock bottom because here's what I know. A lot of, I'm sure at least, at least from my experience working with teens, there's a lot of other people telling you to change for a, oh, a good yeah. amount of years. Oh but yeah. At some I mean, point you had your own. So tell me about that. Your own yeah. I went, I went through, I went through a rehab experience and when I was done, they 
That's how little I was participating in my own recovery at the time, right? So uh, yeah, I was not having it coming from someone else. It really was, it had to be my own decision. And then, you know, that came in waves. There was a period, there was a really big shift kind of at the beginning that gave me pretty high functioning, but I still, I put down a lot of the heavy drugs, but I still like socially partied. I was probably what would be considered a functional alcoholic at the time. And, you know, the guy that could go to a meeting and have four martinis and come back and lead another meeting and just be fine. And everybody's like, what are you doing? And, you know, to me, it wasn't that big a deal. But so then my own decision being very successful financially and finally deciding, you know, I guess it's about 16 years ago now that I got sober, just I just and it wasn't necessarily a crisis. There was a big event where, you know, some weird things happened, but it wasn't my bottom bottom as far as how difficult life had been before that. But I was just done with it and I put it all down. So I've been clean and sober for 16 years now and loving what's going on. Oh, well, congratulations. Not just on that, but on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You, it sounds like, transformed or made those decisions several times. I did. Yeah. And, yeah. and so now you help people with the core of it. How, I do. Tell me a bit about your identity shifting and then what you do with your clients. So, you know, a lot of what we're not aware of is how our meaning making happens. And, you know, the fundamental shift is really starting to see what I call lenses. And if you think of a lens, and I literally mean like what's in my glasses, they alter what we see. And if they're a good lens for you, it alters it in a good way. But if they're not the right lens, you're literally not seeing reality as it is. It's being distorted. The second thing about a lens that people don't think about is they're literally built to be invisible, meaning they're meant to be looked through. As soon as you consider a lens, it doesn't affect you in the same way. So most of our beliefs and our thinking are being, they act like lenses in our mind and they alter what we see, but they're also built to be invisible. So we're not really very natural at at noticing our own biases, our own opinions, our own beliefs about different things. And so the fundamental shift is really gaining a different perspective on how your brain is making meaning for you. And when you can do that and see that, you can start to take these limits that have been holding you back that have been uh, maybe not fully accurate and you can begin to challenge them and you show up very differently in the world once you do that. Absolutely. And you said one of the lenses, one of the worldviews you had was being a victim. Sure. How did you shift that for yourself? Yeah, well, I just I saw it as a story I was telling myself. And I was like, well, there's history to this. There's actual, you know, historical fact. And I got a lot of payoff for it. I would be in a bar and I would be telling a woman and I sounded uh, tough. And wow, look, you've been through so much. And I would get I would get attention, right? And guys would treat me a certain way if they heard certain things about me. So we tend to lean into our stories because they become a way that we're getting a payoff in some sense. And I had to wake up to that payoff not being the payoff I wanted to get anymore. And so could I put that down and really like in a really deep and profound way, walk into situations and not at all consider myself a victim, but actually think of myself as either nothing at all, or maybe even a winner or, you know, what those things look like and showing up in that way consistently, everything changed very, very quickly. And obviously there were other changes I made as well, but that's, that's an example of a really deep one for me and a pivotal one that was incredibly helpful. And you said you showed up in a different way consistently. Yeah. Did you play around with it at all and be like, all right, well, let's see what happens if I show up thinking in this or how did you... For sure. Um, you know, for how sure. Did, did you know it was going to work like that? Or how did you play around with that idea? Well, I literally, I literally went from homeless to vice president and that wasn't my first job, right? So I took a temp job in a basement and then I had, I, I kind of fibbed my way into 
being a math analyst actually for this company where I was doing like forecasting and scheduling, I started to use technology to do that on the side to amplify my results. The tech department saw me doing that. They kind of hired me away. At every stage, I almost had to lie about my capabilities, right? I had to, I had to kind of claim I could do something that I had no idea if I could do or not. And that confidence had me wearing very different kind of masks, but also being really authentic to myself and knowing I'm going to commit to this. So I took on a coding job at one point and I told them I knew languages I didn't know. And I just went home with books that night and I'm working on it at home and I'm learning and and doing. And as far as they were concerned, I knew everything I needed to know because the job was getting done. But I had to step into things that I was claiming ahead of actually having any of the expertise, if that makes sense. And yeah. so, you know, I, I made bold moves. You know, I, yeah. I got into situations where whole departments quit. I said, I can do it. I'll save the day over 30 days. We literally had a big kind of crisis. Everybody else thought it was, thought it was so unwinnable that they left the company. I stayed slept at the company for 30 days, like worked almost nonstop, you know, every waking hour and literally saved the day. And then I made a huge request that, look, now I'm a director. Now I'm this, now I'm that, or I go to and, you know, uh, just made my moves, you know, did, did my stuff. But that level of confidence is completely the opposite end of I'm a victim. This will never work out. Nobody loves me. You know, all those, that kind of narrative. So I really had to turn around how my brain was talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, freaking out over here because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing down notes because one of the things I teach is called creating a personal vision, right? A personal mm. vision of your future that gets you excited. Yeah. And when we talk about a personal vision, it's often not what you see right now. Yeah. You know, we're saying talk about your vision or what you want or three steps ahead rather than your current reality. Mm. And it sounds like that was one skill that you developed throughout these years is you were like, you need me to do that? The answer is always yes. And I yeah. will figure it out. Yeah. And then because well, the you figured was, it the out, the answer you re- certainly wasn't always yes. But yes, it was, you know, <laughs> that energy of when it was important and when when it needed to happen. And it was it was really I'd, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to yeah, do that. Yeah. But it was it was really an energy of there was almost a you've probably heard there's a gift in trauma sometimes. Right. We don't we don't all get it. But once I'd gone through a lot of the stuff that I'd gone through, nothing really scared me in this corporate world. So, you know, I'm the guy in a meeting with people out of MIT and MBAs out of Wharton and, you know, like really high level people. And I have no education. I'm not qualified to be in the room at all. But I've got this like hand tattoo and I've got this other thing. And, you know, I know that I have a perspective and an angle that they didn't have. Now, I didn't have that right away, but I sort of grew up into this uh, level of self-confidence that was, again, exactly the opposite of what was happening when my whole life was in you know, disaster mode. So it's not a conceit. It's, it's right size, but it was a boldness to not be scared of the failure because that level of failure was so much smaller than what I'd been through before. So I, I really consider that a gift. And when I work with people who are potentially trying, let's say they're trying to leave a job and start a business, that's incredibly scary. And to them, if they miss at that and they lose, that might be the worst thing that's ever happened to them. So I don't want to be casual with just saying, oh, go do anything you want. And it worked out for me, so it'll work out for you. You know, sometimes it doesn't. That's why we have to be careful with what we're saying yes to and be smart about that. But 
you are almost probably way bigger than you think you are and way more capable than you think you are. And under certain circumstances, like I think in our current disaster situation globally, we may surprise ourselves as how we respond. And I, you know, I think that we can be innovative and, and uh, find solutions and do these things at a much bigger level than we think. But I also don't want to say it's just magic wand and it's all going to always work out because sometimes it goes badly too. But you know, if you can be courageous to face that, that's a big superpower to have. Yeah, I really do think courage is a skill and a yeah. muscle, essentially. And every time you said yes to something that you didn't quite know about or mm -hmm. and then you did learn it and you did complete your job, it, yeah. it, it built that muscle and your confidence even more. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. so I want to talk a bit about when you you were learning a lot of this yourself. You were experiencing your own self-transformation people started saying, can you teach me yeah. what you have been learning? When did you make that shift from VP to owning or starting your coaching? Yeah. So it's really interesting. I was getting quite a few requests globally. So that sort of had my head a little weird, right? I'm, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm working for a company here. The company's all over the place, which is amazing. But uh, it just was... I start putting out these these audios, this podcast way back when. And people in like Ireland and Japan and Australia and Canada and all of the United States are like, what's it cost to work with you? Like, can I coach with you? I really want to work. And so I was, I thought that's absurd. Maybe I'm an author. Maybe I'll be a philosopher. Like I didn't, I'm like, what's a coach? Like, that's just kind of a silly idea. Uh, I ended up telling my chiropractor, who was also a really close friend of mine, and he'd been listening to the podcast. And he basically said, I would hire you right now. He goes, my marriage isn't what I want it to be. My businesses, I want to you know, grow more uh, locations. And I'm struggling with that. I'm totally disorganized. So I worked with him. And immediately in the first session, I knew that I'd actually been doing this my whole life, like in the dysfunction of what was going on with my parents when I was a little kid. I was the one going, couldn't you see it like this? And what if we did that? And you know, I was offering these different perspectives and different ways of seeing and thinking. And I was like, oh, this is why I'm an effective leader at my company. This is why I'm getting good results in my group. Like I'm, I'm able to... And what happened at that company before I'd actually left that was I ended up with a line out of my office with people waiting to talk with me that like weren't in my department, right? It was much more like I was holding coaching or therapy sessions with people to help them meditate and do these different things and figure out their own anxiety. And you know, how can I be more confident in this situation? So anyway, I tell this to my uh, chiropractor buddy, I end up working with him. He's a real connector. I love it immediately. He starts funneling clients to me. And before you know it, I have like this full book of people working with me, I didn't have to learn how to sell or do marketing or any of that stuff. And so for years, I just had this, you know, one on one coaching practice that was, you know, full to the gills, I ended up, you know, deciding how can I scale this, I started to make products and build group programs and things like that, that became interesting to me that I'm doing now. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the big thing. And he ended up just having a phenomenal result very quickly. And it was enough to have him just say, you got to work with this guy, you know, and so uh, I've, I sort of never looked back because I really stepped into a purpose. You know, when I was in that corporate world, people were like, when are you going to write your book? Because my story then was compelling enough, I think, for people. And I I was genuinely and honestly like, I'm, I haven't done the thing yet. Like this is, it's great to sort of figure out my own success to some level. Like I had a big house in the art museum area and I was, you know, things were going very well for me. But I always had this calling to sort of be of service to people who are suffering and who have, you know, had tough times and how to figure that out and how we can all be more resilient and happy and all that stuff. So, yeah. Oh. So I, I loved it ever since. Like, you couldn't stop me now. This is what I'm doing forever, for sure. And yeah, I love it. When you step into your purpose, 
yeah things fall right into place don't they 100 yeah absolutely and i think it's cool to hear that people were asking you you know people were saying how can i work with you do you have coaching programs mm -hmm. and i think that when that is often a sign of our next step you know mm -hmm. and i think for those that are in that transition period listening what are you getting asked to do? How are people wanting you to help serve them in this world? Because oftentimes that's a breadcrumb, you know, to your next step. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned that even in leadership, you found yourself coaching people within your company, mm -hmm. whether it's one-on-one -on -one or it's helping people develop themselves, even in a company. Why is that an important part of leadership? Well, I mean, if you can't, if see, if we don't change how we're thinking, how we're feeling, and how we're behaving, then the world's going to continue to unfold. I mean, most likely, there, the world can come and change. You could get hit in the face with a tsunami and things could go bad. Maybe you hit the lottery and things go good. But for the most part, you know, we're made up of our continual thought patterns and our continual patterns of feelings, right? Um, a lot of people can get angry for long enough that they just start to say they're an angry person, right? It becomes literally a part of their identity. And anger, healthily, is just an emotion that should come and go, give us some good information, and then we move on from it. But people get stuck in these patterns. And, you know, anybody who's tried to change how they eat or a new business skill that they're scared of, like sales or something, and they'll see month after month, they're resisting, they're resisting, they're not changing. So this quality of being able to change, you know, how we think, how we feel and how we behave, it's the cornerstone to any kind of growth. And we're all wanting better. We're all wanting to grow. So this seems like a very, very important and useful skill. And if you're a leader and you want your group to behave differently or do better or get better results, uh, it's incredibly useful to learn how to, you know, give a coaching moment or point out a distinction that's helpful or get somebody to see something they need to work on uh, because that's where growth can happen. And that's what causes change. Yeah. What did we say? If we want the company to grow, the people need yeah. to grow too. And yeah. so in leadership, we have the ability to impact rather than just give directives or vision for the company, but to mm. really develop the people we're working with and I think when that when people feel like they're getting better, the loyalty to the company grows, their oh, commitment yeah. to the team grows, the trust within the organization grows too. Absolutely. Yeah, without question. Now, one of the things that you have created is the Back to Breath 7-Day Meditation Challenge. Mm. And especially right now when the world seems a bit chaotic, I think this would be a really great topic to discuss. So why is this important to you? And tell us what it is. I think about meditation, uh, and this isn't just for me, this is what I keep hearing back. I, I think about it very differently than a lot of the standard people who are talking about it. There's a clear function of our mind being able to be really in only two places. And our mind can either be in thought or it can be in sensation. And whether, you know, some people think of meditation as a spiritual practice or they think of it as this or that, it's, it's really like training the muscle of your mind to notice when we're being captured by thinking that's not helpful. And so, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of thinking that isn't helpful. We could have very distracted thinking, right? Scattered thinking that's all over the place. We could maybe be ruminating on one thing that's causing anxiety or depression or whatever. Uh, and what we'll start to notice is that anxiety and fear tend to live in the future, right? We tend to go out and think about the future and worry about it. Guilt and shame tend to live in the past. And if people aren't aware of what their minds are doing, and I would suggest that everybody right now, you know, take a second and see if you can move your attention to your breath for five or 10 breaths, you might notice that 
it'll be difficult. If somebody hasn't tried to do that before and worked with that at all, thoughts just keep coming up. It's as if we're not thinking our own thoughts. And if we don't gain some ability to move our attention around and get out of thinking that's really dysfunctional for us, we end up suffering. We end up really unhappy. We end up stressed. We end up worried. And worry has a function if it's alerting you to something and then you need to do something. But most of us are worrying about things that we're doing nothing to change and we're we're not accepting it in any way. And so it just continues to build serious and real stress and unhappiness in, in our lives. And so learning how to this move of just bringing your attention back to breath as an anchor. Uh, and each day in that in that program, I'm giving like a different little tool and a different little easy thing to figure out. And you get to set your own amount. So it could be a minute a day. It doesn't have to be anything uh, significant. But you start to realize what your mind is doing in a different way. And people have these huge epiphanies in the middle of that. We've had literally over a dozen people tell us they didn't commit suicide because they did the seven-day challenge. So uh, people have said they've been trying to sit for 10 years and never understood it until they did this. So there really is a, uh, a clear path to understanding what the heck is meditation really about? Why is it helpful to me? And you start to learn how to strengthen your mind so that you can be more in control of your own emotional reality, your own thinking reality, and it really changes the game. Yeah. Absolutely. I find, especially when there's uncertainty or fear out in the world, it can be easy for our our thoughts to do that rabbit trail, mm-hmm. you know, catastrophizing or, yeah. you know, all of a sudden we're living in a van down by the river. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> when really the skill that you are teaching brings people back to the here and now yeah. and impacts our our center so we aren't as easily freak outable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, another way that I talk about it is your attention is a place, right? So your attention is maybe in a thought somewhere, it's worried about the future, it's whatever, but it could also be in like, what is the sensation in my feet right now? And literally moving that from catastrophizing to like, what do my feet feel like? Or what do my knees feel like? Or what does my seat feel like? Right. Being able to actually bring your experience back into this moment shuts down, you know, a lot of the thinking that has us so wound up. Now, the very first time you try to do that, it's going to be really difficult because you have no concept of how to do it. So that's what these simple tools are for. It's like, here's a little way to do that. Here's another little way to do it. And what's really happening is you're having this big wake up of, oh my gosh, my attention is for half the day lost on Instagram, just scrolling. And for the rest of the day, I'm worried about that thing that my partner said that's got me all wound up. And then my my attention's over here. And then I'm just worried about my kids and this pandemic and da 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 da. And it's like, can you gather that and just at least know that you're doing it? Because that's quite honestly, a fundamental shift in our attention, being aware of what we're looking at and where our attention is in any moment. And it sounds boring to people that haven't done it. But if you can wrangle your attention back into this moment, into physical sensation and really be present, that's actually where joy and happiness and all these really uh, profoundly pleasant experiences live, right? We could imagine um, maybe getting a massage. And if two people go get a massage, and one comes in there and their attention is on the taxes that they have due and you know the thing that happened with their partner and they're just worried about this other thing and they're not paying attention at all to this beautiful thing that's happening while they get it. Another person comes in, they can be really present with the massage and they have this incredibly beautiful experience. What you find when you learn to meditate just a little bit is the universe is giving you a massage literally all the time. There's a lot of pleasant things going on right now. Like right now I've got like great energy going up my spine, my head's kind of tingling, my feet feel kind of neat. 
And you can connect in with that and it becomes incredibly valuable literally just to be, literally just to be here. Uh, And it also right-sizes thinking in a way where if you right-size thinking, you're not lost in thought. You can actually use this incredible brain that you have and apply it to things, leave your focus on things that matter, and then instead use your brain like a tool instead of your brain using you. And so that switch is really, really profound. And literally, you can discover more about that by doing this little seven-day challenge. And the more you do it, the more aware you are when your thoughts do start to scatter. And you can catch yourself and bring yourself back that much faster, easier. And I have found that when I am consistently doing my morning routine and having my quiet time, I long for it. Mm-hmm. Not only does it impact the rest of my day, but I love those moments. Yeah, yeah. It, they could be really beautiful. Yeah. And so for those who are interested in getting the Back to Breath 7-Day Meditation Challenge, go to robscott.com slash back to breath and you will um, be able to get that in your inbox right now. And so for anybody that has freak out moment or has <laughs> had any of those types of moments over the past few weeks, uh, this will be a really great place to help you gain, I don't want to say control, but I want to say influence, you know, Mm. you can impact your own thoughts, you can impact the way you feel, uh, which will allow you to, you can gain more control over your attention, which is really important, right? So thoughts, thoughts may still come up, we don't know what we're going to be thinking a minute from now, right? Thoughts sort of arise out of the unconscious, but you can become much more masterful at guiding those around and shutting down thoughts that are not useful, that are actually hurting you and making you upset and uh, and learn what it is to be really, really happy in, in this beautiful present moment that we're all actually living in all the time. Most people aren't really living here. They're living in their own story of what's going on. And so leaving that to come into real reality is actually really lovely. Yeah, yeah. And you also say you're on a mission to evolve consciousness. Can you tell me a bit about what that means? Yeah, I mean, well, this is one step to it for sure, right? Understanding our own attention in a different way, understanding our own meaning making. And so if you take it, it's, you know, it's really interesting to me because there's not a lot of standard training on what do I do with my emotions? What do I do with my thinking, right? And there's such enormous parts to our life. And so if you take a person who has no training in this and they are lost in thought, that's a very, you know, not to be critical of it, but we'll just call it like a lower level consciousness. It's sort of the default that we get, which has got really old survival mechanisms kind of at the helm. And so we're way more worried about stuff than maybe we should be or what's useful, uh, just so that, so that we can constantly make sure that we survive. But that helps us live in smaller and smaller and smaller safe boxes rather than really expressing and really being comfortable and really knowing what we can truly do. So if you learn even a couple of these moves, right, it just back to breath starts to evolve your consciousness because you start to realize what's happening up here just a little bit. And if you can make this fundamental shift, start to see your own lenses, start to see your own limiting beliefs, the things that are really holding you back. And you, it's not just getting you past one or two of those. It's giving you the meta skill where you can get past all of those for yourself as you see them coming up. That is a full shift in consciousness to where we can actually live uh, a much more centered, calm, happy, productive, successful you know, life for ourselves. So yeah, I want to I wanna spread these ideas as far as I can so that more and more people can get it. And it, it literally evolves your consciousness. It literally gives you a bigger, more access to more dimensions of what's really going on. And it's, it's very helpful. So we get out of delusion and we get more into reality. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Now, I um, created a few journals 
to give people a morning routine and then create oh, nice. that space. And meditation is a part of that. There's a gratitude game and things like that. Yeah. Space to write, space to pray, space to listen. And I'm also creating a teen journal right now. So it's going to be called the Dream Life Teen Journal with similar gratitude games as kind of the teaching points and then space for meditation and listening. Because at least when I, I used to work with foster kids and I remember thinking, they don't know how awesome they are. Yeah. You know, they their <laughs> yeah. lens is often through this trauma. And so how have you been able to use how you've grown and learned and do this type of work with kids or teens? So I have been uh, approached a bunch of times to figure out how we can get this stuff into schools. Uh, I, I think we said it before we started recording, but I was, I moved from Philadelphia to the Detroit area. I've recently moved back. Before I left, I was actually getting closer and closer to talking to the mayor of Philadelphia about doing some things for schools here and just my move sort of interrupted that. But, and then people often hire me to work with kids and kids who are in really bad situations, uh, kids that might be dealing with depression. I've had parents, fun people coming into my high-end program to do my identity shifting mastermind who are, uh, you know, under 18. And so I think that kids can take this on very, very well and sometimes better than their parents can. And it really can shortcut the difficulty. It's almost easier to raise a healthy child than it is to fix a broken adult in a sense, right? So I'm very interested in, you know, constantly innovating on how can we get young people interested in this. And, you know, just as a silly aside, you know, I'm trying to look at TikTok these days to think about that and, you know, just sort of figuring out like where's their attention now and what would be helpful, good stuff to put in there for people that are struggling or yeah, everything, dealing with online bullying, all the new challenges that young people are facing psychologically. Yeah, absolutely. I know I got into the field of psychology because I wanted to work with adolescents. And then I found uh, myself working with adults. And then I realized they were just big adolescents. Right. <laughs> it's really true. I, we all pretend that we grow up and something changes, but you know, I'm still 18 in my head. So, uh, know. you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird. It is kind of cool though, how these skills are life skills, you know, mm. they are being better human skills and mm -hmm. whether you're working with parents, adults who can grow and get better and then transfer what they learn to their families, mm. or you're working directly with kids, this work really does have a ripple effect. Yeah. And impact the world in a great way as everybody really realizes we don't have to live in scarcity and we don't have to be stuck in this box and we don't have to be fearful of our neighbor. We really can um, open ourselves up and it's really funny. Yeah, I have this one of my programs is called Hacking Happy and it's it helps people really understand how they can shift their emotions around and how they can, you know, work with their attention and do some of these tools and it's it's just like a daily audio and it's really easy. It's about 20 21 days and it's uh, it's a phenomenal thing. So a, a wonderful man goes through it and he basically wrote me and he goes, can I share this with my daughter? It's like, I would love it. That'd be great. And I think she was nine or 10. And so she started writing in and her name was like Melanie. And so she would write in on his account and every day in the homework, she would write in, this is Melanie and here's what I got out of it. And it was just, it was so like, it just made my heart go, oh, you know, like it just was amazing. And so, yeah, she did the whole program and loved it. And so, yeah, there's... I, you know, I'm trying. It, my stuff is is simple enough to understand that anyone anyone can get it, and uh, it really is game changing stuff. You know, for people, it makes me happy. Yeah. So, in speaking of emotions, what is your view on forgiveness 
And um, as that being a emotion shifter. I, forgiveness is amazing. And, uh, you know, for me, I have forgiven everyone that, you know, all the stuff, right? There was a lot that I will tell people now more details about what happened to me and all that. And they're, they're shocked at uh, the people that I have in my life and how close I am with people that were involved in some of that stuff. And, you know, it wasn't, I think a good way to talk about forgiveness is it's not a gift for them. I mean, maybe it is on some level, but it's really, it was for me. It was for me to get past it. It was for me to see that these people, like we're all doing our best in any moment and we all make mistakes. And so, you know, am I capable of seeing somebody who I might have thought was as much of an adult or whatever this stuff was, but in reality, they're maybe very broken or they're addicted or they're dealing with whatever. And it's just been an absolute game changer to choose forgiveness and to really put things down and let people be imperfect, right? Like take them off a pedestal of it was supposed to be different. You were supposed to be that. You know, the definition of suffering is wanting things to be different than they are. Like at any level, if we if we're attached to this stinks and I'd like it to be like this, however far that distance is, is the amount of suffering that we're doing. And so as much as I might have wanted people in my life when I was a younger guy to be different than they were or whatever, that's just me suffering about it, right? At some point, I have to accept what happened, like really deeply accept it. That's not just lip service, but really say, this is my ride. This is what happened and see them as imperfect and then choose to go, you know, now if somebody is abusing you or something's bad, I mean, boundaries need to be held. Maybe you don't spend time with them. I'm not saying that you have to forgive everybody. Sometimes you want to do that. But even if you don't want to be around someone Let's say there's an addicted person in your life and they're dangerous or whatever. You know, maybe you don't see them anymore, but on a spiritual and emotional level, can you choose to forgive and really see them as imperfect and not hold them to be different than they are and just go, that's who that person is. And, you know, I'm going to do my best to love them as they are. Um, it's incredibly powerful. It's really, really, I, I wish more of us were better at that because it would, it would lead to a little different world, I think. Oh my goodness. Forgiveness is one of the most profound and the hardest things I feel like <laughs> because it it truly does keep us stuck in the past um, yeah. but, and it keeps our emotional and we cannot create when we're emotionally three steps behind. And so if we have strings to the past, it can really impact our today. Yeah, I don't know where this came from originally. I would quote the source if I knew it, but it's, you know, like holding on to anger is like you drinking the poison, right? So you're the one that's all wrapped up. If you're holding on to anger at your brother from 20 years ago and you're just still all mad about it, you know, he may have completely forgotten about it. He's just living life every day and you're the one who's still like pumping cortisol and stress hormones through your body and, you know, maybe getting sick, maybe you've got clogged heart, you know, you could literally die because of how you've chosen to behave, you know, maybe it drove you to drinking or something. It's just, it's not, it's so silly that we hold on to these things when we could really just let them go, you know? And uh, again, boundaries need to be held. Maybe, maybe if he's not a healthy person, he's not in your life anymore, but you can actually forgive and move on. And uh, it's the smartest thing for you to do for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as acceptance is, is part of it, Mm -hmm. accepting what happened or what is, and then deciding what we want next. Correct. Because, right, Correct. do we want to live in that anxious, angry mode forever? <laughs> right. No, no, no. 
Uh, okay, so I've got a few questions for you. Um, well, I've had, had lots, but I've got some more questions based on your entrepreneurial journey because you clearly sure. are creating programs that are impacting people. You're getting referrals. You've got groups going on, masterminds, you guys. You can check out robscott.com and the information will be in the show notes below. But being an entrepreneur myself, I know that it's not always a straight line. So I would love to hear a story of when uh, maybe there was a hiccup in your business or something that you weren't expecting or maybe a, like a road bump that you had to work through. There have been plenty. You know, sometimes a launch doesn't go how you want it to go or, you know, you, you, you miss on something, right? There's, this is, to your point, this is a business also. The biggest one that comes to mind, I had a, I had a personal thing happen. I had, a, I had a relationship go poorly and it really felt like the world kind of pulled the rug out from under me. And I personally decided to kind of slow down the business for that period of time to deal with it. And I thought it would be a handful of months. It probably was closer to a couple of years where I just decided to go slower. I let some people go on my team. I decided not to run groups in the same way. I really slowed down because I wanted, I needed to move again. I needed to do all these different things. And so it was a personal thing that happened that was the difficulty, but it had a huge business effect. And I was very conscious of it. And it was really me sort of doing it consciously. I probably could have stormed ahead if I'd chosen to. But I, I, you know, I've done well enough that I had the means to just sort of slow things down for a while. And I did a lot of self-healing and I did a lot of, you know, getting back to myself and finding self-love again in a really profound way and all that stuff and using all the tools that I'm telling everybody else to use, right? It was great. But yeah, that was a, a difficult personal time and it leaked all into my business. So I think as an entrepreneur, that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't always understand is that your personal life can have this direct effect because it's affecting you, right? And because we're the entrepreneur, we're wearing all the hats, right? Maybe you might have help or whatever, but every the buck still stops here, right? If there's uh, a misspelling or there's an issue or whatever, somebody else might have done it, but it's still like, this is my business, right? So it's so funny because when you get into like ads and doing social media and all these things, like each of those not only could have a team, it's, it's a full-time job for sure, but they could have teams of people working on that. Like we could have teams of people doing all these different things. And when you're an entrepreneur, before you have that, you end up trying to do your best with the ads and the social media and the whole thing, right? So uh, that ability to grow into where you can get the right people in the right place, and then maybe they quit on you because they've, you know, they've run their time with you and they go somewhere else. There's a ton of challenges that can come. You know, my biggest one recently was that personal thing uh, that leaked in. But yeah, I mean, that's that's something that comes to mind. Yeah, it's really true. We're the CEO mm -hmm. and and with the driver essentially of our businesses. And so that's one reason why we do really need to take care of ourselves and mm -hmm. make sure that we're happy and healthy and whole and have that space to reconnect because life does happen. Mm -hmm. And um, and we want to give ourselves that space because it does impact. Yeah, for sure. Everything in our business. So who do you learn from? What are some books that you have read in the past or experiences you've had that had that you like always refer people to? I don't know that I have ones that I always refer people to. I mean, I know that I used to read all kinds of stuff like Krishnamurti and, you know, Teet Nhat Hanh and, and whatever, trying to figure out uh, a bunch of these things. You know, Eckhart Tolle's work is great. And, and I'm talking more on like the psychology side of things. Business-wise, there's a ton of great books out there, but you got to find your own way. I think like authentically being okay, 
getting to a place where you can have a message that matters to you, put it out there, figure out if you're scared of selling, you know, figure that stuff out. And yeah, I mean, I, I, there's great podcasts. I like people like Sam Harris and, you know, I'm, I'm listening to a bunch of different people, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that it was books that were the game changer necessarily. I ended up having a guy in my life named Will Holm, who was, uh, was a counselor for me, who's been, you know, almost like a father to me. He's just an amazing guy. And he's been, I've been working with him for years and years and years now. So yeah, just getting the support, you know, hiring a coach, getting a therapist, like getting that so that you're okay, I think is, is maybe what I would recommend. Awesome. And then one last question for you as a busy entrepreneur and you're pouring out all the time, right? (laughs) Uh, You, we know that you need to stay filled. So what is one thing that you do every day that you couldn't live without? Oh, I mean, a lot of them. I, you know, I try to eat healthy. I I try to have a little bit of a mindfulness practice. I like to work out every day if I can. Uh, Things like massage come to mind, which, you know, in our current uh, moving toward quarantine state, I don't know how much that's going to be happening. Uh, I really like hot and cold pools. I found a place that's got like steam rooms and hot pools and cold pools and doing that hot cold thing is uh, really helpful for me. I think it's some of those self-care basics to just stay really grounded, really healthy, move my body, do some yoga, do some meditation. I think those are the non-negotiables. That's, you know, even if I'm on vacation, those are happening. And yeah, they matter to me no matter what. Awesome. Awesome. So if somebody's listening right now and they are on a brink of taking a step, maybe they want to start their side hustle. They want to grow it. Maybe they want to quit their job. Maybe they... I don't know, want to crochet and make blankets and make money from their hobby or whatever it is. What would you tell somebody who's ready to step into their next best self? Uh, I would probably say that you are capable of more than you think you are. And to, you know, be bold enough to work through the fear of not knowing how or not knowing whatever, and just open to the little failures that'll come because they'll be there too. Uh, But those are okay. And, you know, follow your passion and go get involved. Go do it. Thank you so much. You got it. Rob is giving you the courage to say yes. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) And the boldness to go do it, to see yourself three steps ahead and have your own identity shift to grow into the person that you are created to be, but more importantly, you want to be, right? Or else you probably wouldn't be listening to this episode. So thank you so much, Rob, for sharing your wisdom, your experience. And I can tell you not only impact, like you mentioned, the people around you, but worldwide. Mm. You have uh, the Rob Scott Show, um, your podcast and, and your programs that are having that ripple effect all around the world. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Denise. This has been great. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.